Where can you learn from designers at Amazon and Quora, developers at SoundCloud and Heroku, and entrepreneurs like Patrick Ambron from Brand Yourself? You can level up your design, dev, and promotion skills at Level Up Con, taking place October 8th and 9th in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. Only two hours by train from New York City, this is the perfect place to enjoy early fall at Oktoberfest while you mingle with industry pioneers in a resort town in upstate New York. Get your ticket today at levelupcon.com. Space is extremely limited for this premium conference experience. Don't delay. Check out levelupcon.com now. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Episode 9 of Adventures in Angular. This week on our crew, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. John Papa. Hey, from sunny Florida. We have a special guest crew member, Ward Bell. Hello from sunny California. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and our special guest this week is Rob Eisenberg. Hey, from Florida. Sun is shining. So you want to introduce yourself really quickly, Rob? Sure. My name is Rob Eisenberg, and uh, I have spent the better part of the last 10 years of my career focusing a ton on front-end development across various platforms. And I, one of the things I'm known for in a couple of communities is building frameworks to make front-end development elegant. And I've worked on XAML platforms, uh, a framework called Calibre and Calibre Micro. I've worked on JavaScript platforms. I'm known for a library called Durandal.js. And now I'm currently consulting with Google, helping to design and implement Angular 2.0, and also the next version of Durandal, which is connected with that. So that's a little bit about the relevant points about me. One thing I want to get out of the way, just because I know people are going to ask, it seems like there hasn't been a concrete date set for when Angular 2 is going to come out, but do you have some idea of what things are left to do? Maybe we should just start out with what's going to be different or if there's a different focus from Angular 1 to Angular 2. Sure. In terms of timeline, right now, if you're a user of Angular, you know that there's a lot of work going on in 1.3, and so we've put a lot of resources into that, hoping to get that out like imminently. And so a lot of attention has been to get to that milestone. Now, I can't give you a date on 2.0 other than to say that we want to have it available as soon as we possibly can. And I think that as we reach this important release of 1.3, we'll then be able to solidify a timeline for 2.0, and hopefully the community will kind of get a sense of that after that point. So that's kind of, we're in a, a little bit of a transitional stage in terms of timeline right now as we're coming out of the major 1.3 release and then refocusing on 2.0. So what are the differences then between 2.0 and 1.3 or 1.2? So with the existing version of Angular, one of the things that prompted 2.0 is that over the years of its development and usage across real-world applications, a number of shortcomings in the core of the framework have kind of surfaced. And some of these are such that there's no way to really fix them without doing a rewrite. So first of all, with 2.0, there's going to be a number of core improvements, such as a common example is dynamic loading. Uh, dynamic loading of controllers, of code services, all these kinds of things that this is much more difficult to do the right way, if not impossible in some cases with, with the current version of Angular. The new version is much more sort of living in an asynchronous world 
and can bring anything in dynamically. So this is a core change uh, that's a big new capability for 2.0 that that stretches from understanding of shortcomings in the current version, but that we couldn't really just patch up. Uh, so there's things like that, mobile support. People do use Angular uh, to build mobile apps, but it's not as fast or, uh, you know, in terms of animations, in terms of startup time, in terms of data binding performance. When, when you say mobile apps, are you talking about mobile-friendly web apps, or are you talking about things like Ionic Framework? Well, both. Both, really. Any situation where the code of Angular is running on a phone or, or a tablet, right? And the big thing that comes into play here is issues of performance, because those devices are just not as powerful as your desktop, right? So there's a lot of work going into performance in 2.0, but the use case that's driving those performance improvements is getting a very slick mobile experience. So there's a lot of improvements that are happening in the data binding system and the templating engine, these core components of Angular itself, which we couldn't really make in 1.x because there would be major breaking changes, but which we can sort of, with 2.0, we can go ahead and make those changes, and the result is that the whole thing will be much faster in a lot of ways. It'll be better for building mobile apps. So there's a number of different things like that, touch animations and gestures, like I said, mobile performance, dynamic loading, those kinds of scenarios, which to do them in 1.3, it would end up being like a rewrite to get some of that working the way it needs to work. And so that is some of the initial motivation for building 2.0. But there's other things as well to look forward to in 2.0, which is we're looking really to the future in terms of how modules will be handled. You know, when, when Angular was first written, there, there really wasn't maturity in that area in the JavaScript world. There were a few things kind of floating around, but it was hard to, to sort of pick one that would be, there was no ubiquitous kind of module solution. But as Robert, are you talking about like AMD and required JS and all that kind of stuff? Yes, so some of those were kind of like floating around back in the early days, but it was hard to really know what would be popular at the time, and there was nothing like the ES6 modules at that time. But now here we are, 2014, the ES6 module spec I think was just solidified yesterday or two days ago, something like that. There are transpilers, there's language like TypeScript, and there's Tracer, and a number of other transpilers that will understand ES6 module syntax and convert it into ES5 code. There are um, a number of popular libraries like RequireJS and so on for handling modules. So what we wanted to do was say, hey, this was something that back when Angular 1 was built, there wasn't really a clear path for solving this aspect. But now in 2014, there is. So let's look at the future. Let's look at ES6 modules. Let's look at the ES6 loader. Let's look at all these kind of things and see if we can reimagine the framework in terms of a more modularized JavaScript world. Uh, and that flows from everything from loading to modularizing your code to package management and all these kinds of things. So there's issues of that that we're dealing with in Angular 2.0 uh, to make it nicer. Is that uh, why you decided, or you meaning the team decided to do it in ES6? Yeah, so that's one reason. Um, it's just, frankly, if you've, at least my personal experience is after using ES6, I, I really, it's just so wonderful compared to what's currently available in browsers. You get used to having uh, lambdas and, uh, I mean, we use lambdas, we use classes. A lot of the design of Angular 2.0 right now is a class-based design, and this works really nicely with the dependency injection aspect of the framework. And having the syntax sugar of ES6 for building classes 
makes the code really nice to read. I mean, you can obviously build the same thing using prototypes, etc., but having the actual class syntax in the language portrays the intent of the code a, a lot better. And so we're we're using that just for the niceties of it, but also, again, it's that vision of the forward compatibility because eventually we want our ES6 code to run directly in the browser. Now, right now, we transpile it into ES5 code, but by writing it today, we kind of future-proof ourselves against having it to do another rewrite. Um, so, so, Rob, if I can interview you quick, because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering a question in my head, and I wonder if a lot of the people out there are thinking this too, is I'm a developer in one of two states right now, and others might be here as well, I'm working on some kind of an application in midstream, already Angular 1.2. whatever. When should I start to be thinking about 1.3 or 2.0? And then the other side of it is, I'm a developer who's about to kick into gear on a project. When should I be starting to consider uh, 1.3 or 2.0? So in terms of the current version of Angular, I don't actually do development on that. I'm only working on 2.0, but the release of 1.3 is coming up pretty soon. I think anyone could probably see that who follows it. So I would be considering 1.3 now. Um, and I think got, I just checked, it's at a release candidate 2 as of this week, I think. Yes. So if you've got existing code and you're considering 1.3, or if you're, if you're on 1.2 and you haven't considered 1.3, I would be doing that right now. In terms of 2.0, you know, one of the things, what, what I try and tell people who are having to make a decision right now or building things right now is to basically stay with what you're doing and what you're comfortable with. If Angular 1 is meeting your needs, then just keep doing what you're doing. One of the things that we're planning to have as part of this process is some documentation that shows the Angular 1.3 code and then the corresponding Angular 2.0 code so that anyone who does want to make that migration or wants to evaluate whether it makes sense for them can kind of see the two side by side. And that also lets you leverage all of your learning, your understanding of Angular 1, and easily translate it a lot faster because you can find these sort of little recipes that you already understand from the current version of Angular and then kind of see how that looks in 2.0. And a key goal for this is that everything that you can do in Angular 1 today, you should be able to do a 2.0 at least as easy as you can today, but hopefully better, right? So there's a lot of technical things I've already talked about we're trying to improve with loading and modules and performance and mobile, etc. But we also would like to make the entire API surface, the interaction with the framework, and the general building of apps simpler. Simpler to learn, simpler to do, less work. We'll flesh that out as things go along, but we'll have this document so you can kind of see. It's it's actually a, a kind of a guard for us as well, so that when we have the 1.3 and the 2.0 code side by side and we look at 2.0 and we go, oh man, this is much more painful than it was in 1.3. We've made a mistake here. Let's see how we can address this in our design. So it's for us too to help us in our design process, but also that will serve as a sort of documentation for the community so they can get a feel for what would be involved in porting their app. They can visually see kind of what the differences are and what advantages there might be in terms of maintainability, learnability, these kinds of things. So the backup, though, what I say is to most people who ask me this question is stay with what you're familiar with today and just kind of keep an eye on things. Familiarize yourselves with what's happening generally in terms of web trends with ES6 modules and other ES6 language features. And you might say that you might consider even writing your code today in ES6 using Tracer like us. So you can actually do, oh, there's nothing to prevent you from building a 1.3 Angular app 
but using Tracer. And then you've already got a bunch of your source code sort of in ES6, and you can follow the same strategy that we're following ourselves in terms of trying to be future-proof with your source code in that way. So um, I'd like to ask a clarifying question about that, Rob. When Angular 2 does finally release, there's nothing there that says nobody that's consuming it is going to need to going to be need to write ES6 code, right? That is correct. Yeah. You can write ES6, ES5. I suppose you could write ES3, but you can write CoffeeScript. No! You can write right <laughs> CoffeeScript, TypeScript. There's nothing that we're doing really that is going to force you down that path. However, but doing ES6 is a great idea. Yes, and you'll really get the nice.